In today's episode, an awesome interview with Jillian Floodstrom, where we learn about her non-traditional way she staffs the team, how a car accident totally changed the direction of her business and taught her the power of delegation, and the one thing she must do every day to be successful. Straight from the boardroom to the microphone, I'm April Garcia, and this is Pivot Me, easily applied tools and hacks to get you ahead. This isn't just a podcast. This is an upgrade for your life. Helping good people become even better. This is Pivot Me. My guest today is Jillian Floodstrom, a speaker, small business strategist, and the host of the upcoming podcast, Scale Your Small Business. Jillian, as I'm, I'm looking through your background, you've had a really impressive career with quite a few pivots, forensic biologist, financial advisor, international business owner. You're a seven-figure entrepreneur who has launched five businesses in three separate industries. Were those changes by design, by circumstance? Tell us, tell us about that path. It's, you know, it's interesting because when you talk about all the different things that I've been through, they're all actually correlated together. So when I worked at the coroner's office, my degree is in forensic biology, financial advising came from that because I met people every day that lost a loved one that were not expecting it. They were not prepared for it. They're like, literally, what do I do now? I don't have my ducks in a row. I don't, we don't have any life insurance. There has to be a better way to do this. And so that was what drove me to the financial advisor side of things to really help people and to be okay with talking about the bad stuff that can happen. Because a lot of people don't want to talk about that. They think if they put it out into the world, it's going to happen, which I actually find the reverse to be true in that when you have your ducks in a row, you've talked about those hard, tough conversations that you're good to go. So then I started this business. I own a brokerage firm. So obviously coming from the financial advising start part of it, I have started these businesses and it has just worked out and I love them all. They are all so different, but they're again, kind of interrelated. And it's interesting to see the correlation between all of them, but they are very different. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting when you look at it. So yeah, absolutely. You know, just I've got to um add a uh, kind of a, a strange coincidence. I worked in a morgue for three years. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Cool. So I always wanted to go to the coroner's office back then, but I, I ended up just staying at the hospital morgue. So I don't know, just felt like there was some kind of my degrees yeah. in biology too. So um, not forensic, people say like, it's either one of two reactions. It's either like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. And so amazing. I see that on CSI all the time. Or they're yeah. like, Oh my God, you're a weirdo. That's so yes. gross. Yeah, totally. There was nothing in between. It's funny because I had a roommate at the time I was in college and she'd always say, I never want to know anything about what you saw today. <laughs> she was <laughs> totally. She was, she was like, please don't tell me anything. I'm just yeah. totally, it freaks yeah. me out that what you do and it kind of weirds me out that I sleep next to someone who works in a morgue. And I'm like, I swear I'm not weird. Um, I know, that's what I tell people too. I'm like, you know, I see dead people, but I'm not a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I always wanted to tell her, this is kind of offline, but I always wanted to tell her about like the kind of gallows humor and stuff like that, because yeah. that does exist, but that's not something you Absolutely. talk about outside of that industry. Yeah. So well, and you have to be careful who you talk about with that, because then people think you're even weirder. <laughs> right. That does not help like narrow down, like yeah. take you down a notch on the weird, weird totally. scale. It doesn't <laughs> happen. Okay. All right. So um, that, yeah, that's quite an interesting story about yeah. 
how you transition from forensic biologist to um, financial advisor, you know, that kind of begs, and we're kind of getting into it right away. But for me, when I hear that, what I hear is that you're clearly someone who's very good at reinventing yourselves, yourself, because what I find when people are switching industries like that, it's not so much about going out and getting the new skill set. It's about being able to re-identify yourself. Did you struggle at all with your identity? Because that's a pretty big jump from the sciences to the financial industry. You know, I it's they're so interrelated because when people are talking about, you know, we're talking about financial plans, we're talking about end of life things, that medical background that I have is so much easier. I think it makes people more comfortable when we're talking about, hey, I have this health issue that's going to affect my life insurance or long-term care or something. People feel more comfortable when I'm like, oh yeah, I totally know what that is. So I, I definitely think it's it's helped, but you know, the reinvention, I never think of it like that. I think of it as like an evolution, but you're probably right. It is, you know, going from forensic biologist, financial advisor, you know, we have scale your small business. Now we have making space mini storage, which is a mini storage unit, which is completely different from, you know, anything else, you know, with the real estate, it's, it is similar to the real estate that we have, but, but yeah, it's totally different, but they're also similar too. They definitely are. Wow. And were you surprised that you had such a passion for business? Because again, starting out in the sciences, I mean, it's, left brain and you use some left brain in business, but you also use a lot of right brain. I mean, were you, did you always know that you had a passion for business or, or knack for business? You know, it's so funny because my dad always, my dad was self-employed and my mom stayed home and took care of us kids. But my dad always says that I have a problem with authority and that's why I decided to become an entrepreneur because I don't, I like to be in charge. I like to make things happen. And sometimes you can't always do that when you're first starting out in corporate America. So, you know, I started definitely really young in the entrepreneurial space, but I think that was driven by my parents, you know, Mm -hmm. because that there's just a certain amount of freedom that you have. There is a trade-off when you you know, become an entrepreneur, but there's so much freedom. And I think for each one of those businesses, it's definitely just about helping people. That's what drove me to forensics. That's what drove me to financial advising. It's just being being able to help people. And I think that all these other businesses that have evolved from that, it's, that's kind of the core of all of it. Wow. Yeah, no, that's amazing. It it usually takes people a while to get to that where sometimes they enter um, business for the money, and then they stay for the people. Um, But it sounds like you got there pretty quick of no, no, I'm I'm here for the people. I want to help the people and help them. You're helping people in times of transition, really high stressful time. It's kind of the same thing. Because like, we have been transitioning into all these different businesses. But I think that's that's where people are struggling is they know they want to do something different, but they don't know how to get there. They don't know where to start. And they're just like, well, how do I do it? Mm-hmm. You know? So when did you transition over from running your own businesses to helping other people run their, you mentioned about having this relentless passion for efficiency, organization, and strategic planning that speak into my heart. I understand <laughs> that. How did you make that, that transition of running your own business versus helping people run their business? I think the transition happened naturally because a lot of people were asking me for advice. And it's so funny because someone said to me, do you realize how selfish you're being? And I was like, excuse me? And they're like, you are being selfish in the fact that you are not sharing this with so many people. There are people that need this. There are people that need you, but they don't know that you're out there. And I was like, that's such an interesting perspective to look at it that way. But she was so right. 
you know, because there are, we see a lot of things out there for people that have existing businesses and how to build your business and, you know, all these different things. But we don't talk about some of the uncomfortable things about, you know, hey, you might have this amazing business, but your foundation might be crumbling under it because you don't have your systems and processes in place. And nobody really wants to talk about that part of it because it's not the glitz and the glamour and the fun stuff. I mean, it's fun for me because I'm a total nerd. But, you know, for most people, it's like, let's focus on the design of our website because that's pretty and, you know, things like that. But really, there's some steps that we want to get taken care of first to make sure that when you get to that next level, that you've got everything in place and those things can scale along with your business. Absolutely. Did you have did you have a mentor along the way that kind of helped guide you? I know you said your father was self-employed, um, maybe him or maybe someone in an industry that sort of helped kind of maybe this little way or that way or kind of point you in the right direction. You know, the thing that he's always said to me, um, especially I think is so important these days, is that um you know, we're, we live in this digital age where, you know, everything's on social media and we don't really have that connection with people anymore. But he said to me in the very beginning is that if you cannot run your business off of individual referrals alone, you should not be in business. And so I think that has really driven me to build. I mean, of course, we have all the social media channels and there's there's different um, referrals, I guess. Maybe that's not the right word for social media, but I think it's just being able to be proud of your business, be proud of what you're doing, being willing to share and come from a place of education versus selling. And I think people can feel that and then they tell other people about it. And it things come from the most unlikely source that you're just like, wow, I had no idea that this group of people were talking about me over here in this Facebook group. And then all of a sudden, they just started coming in. I mean, this just happened the other day where I was like, no, where did you hear about me? And I was like, oh, I heard about you in this Facebook group. And then over these past two weeks, it's been like 18 people. And I was like, this is interesting. Like this dynamic has been happening this whole time that I had no idea. Like I had no influence on it. It was just, I was able to help someone. They went and shared it. And then all these people just started coming. And I think that natural evolution of it is just awesome to know that people are talking about it. You know, we tend to hear only bad things these days. So it's Mm -hmm. nice to hear that people are saying, oh my gosh, this person did this and helped me you know, it's just awesome. Yeah, I bet. I love the idea of coming from a place of education instead of selling. I think that's uh, such a good reminder for everyone in business. I mean, just in in life in general of coming from a place of service instead of self-serving. I I was just looking at um, how you were chosen by the state of Washington to be preferred provider for Washington Health Benefit Exchange. So how did that come about? Were you guys actively working for that? Were you just, were you selected and go, oh my gosh, all our hard work has come to fruition. Tell us about that evolution. I wish, I wish that that was the case, but it actually started with um, one of the uh, external people with the health plan finder. We'd actually just met for coffee. We'd meet you know, every so often just to catch up, chat about things. And he had said to me, you know, you should apply for this. And I said, yeah, you know, I don't think that's the right fit for us. We're, we're like a little bitty minnow. We, we are not, you know, in this massive space. We're not a massive brokerage firm with 20 people working for us. We're, we're a very small, you know, tight knit family type oriented group. And he said, no, I think that's the perfect fit. So we applied and this, um, you know, applying for government contracts is like not for the faint of heart. It is something that I have never been through in my entire life and is completely nerve wracking, um, especially when you're doing it for the first time. And I think it's important to mention that the first time we applied, we didn't get it. But the most important thing about that that was, is I was able to schedule a call with all with the panel that voted on who got it and to say to them, 
why didn't we get it? And I think to be open-minded enough to say, yeah, you're right. That wasn't, that wasn't my best effort on that section. I could have done better on that. And so we applied again the next, it wasn't even the next year. I would say it was like the second round and we got it because we'd made all those changes that they had requested. And that was the feedback that I received when I did a follow-up call with them. They were like, you actually listened to what we said. And I think that's something important is that we're so, you know, my way's the best way. And I'm, you know, that sort of a mentality. But when you actually listen to the people who are saying, no, this is why you didn't get this opportunity and being open-minded enough to take that feedback and, you know, being willing to say, Hey, you're probably going to hurt my feelings in this meeting, but it's okay because I'm ready for it and I want to get better and I want to improve. And the only way to do that is to learn that feedback from people and really, and really change. Wow. I think, thank you so much for sharing that you didn't get it the first time. Cause that was, you're right. Incredibly important to share because so many people just, again, they see the highlight reel, like, Oh, you've got this, this esteemed position or this esteemed nomination and how amazing. And when you explain, no, 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 we didn't get it the first time. And that was probably a pretty bad day in, in my office. <laughs> and then having the, um, vulnerability and courage and all those sorts of things to come back to the table and say, tell me why, like you said, you're going to hurt my feelings, but tell me why. And then going back and changing it. Because I think when we don't get something like we have a really big letdown like that, it's very easy to start pointing the fingers, bl the blame game starts out. Well, it's ridiculous who, who they picked. We're better than them or they're rid being ridiculous and all it's ultimately giving your power away. But instead you retain your power and said, what did, what could we have done better? And then coming back to the table and saying, what do we need to do better? Hearing it, like you said, being open to it and then going out and executing on it. Um, that's, that's amazing. Not, not a lot of people can do that. Do you feel like you being flexible in that either, whether it's open to, to feedback or criticism, do you feel like, or just, or just being able to do multiple iterations saying, well, that didn't work. Let's go back and do something else. Like, is that, has that been important piece to the success of your businesses? And if not, what are some of the things that you felt have been really important to the success of your businesses? I feel like that flexibility is I always tell people that like entrepreneurship is like dodgeball. <laughs> you know, you have to, you got to be a little ADD. You got to be a little crazy to like go for it. You got to be willing to be flexible enough to bob and weave and change things and be willing to say, yeah, you're right. That wasn't my best. I could have done better. What is your feedback on what you think, you know, I could do better. And I think that, you know, we have to be careful with that too, because we don't want to, we don't want to change who we are based on someone else's opinion. But I think this day, we we a lot of people don't do that. They don't say, hey, what do you think I could have done better? And I think mm -hmm. especially when you're running different businesses, the success of your business is related to people purchasing things from you. And you have to be willing to look at things. I mean, one example, I always tell people, you know, if you follow StoryBrand at all, they say, if you make people burn calories, they won't do it. So my tester is my mom because my mom is not very good at technology. So I run everything through my mom. If my mom can't figure out how to work something on my website, we redesign it because we mm -hmm. want to make sure that someone who is maybe dipping their toe in the water, they know that they need this, but maybe technology is not their strength. We want to make sure that it's easy for them to use what we have because we don't mm -hmm. want people to be like, you know what? It's just too difficult. I can't do it. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. That's all. I, I love that. I love that idea. Um, 
that you use her as a tester too. That's perfect. Because it's you're not really for me to tell you that because, <laughs> you know, I think especially people that are older are so sensitive to, te- to technology. They're like, oh, I'll just have my nephew who's 13 do it. But right. it's important in this day and age because we're so used to like, we're at a different level with technology and we use it every day. And, you know, we're doing this podcast and, you know, it's amazing, but, you know, technology can be such a fickle thing sometimes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, being able to expose her to this and be like, hey, what do, what do you think about this? Is it easy to use? And getting her feedback, I think is so important. And, you know, there's definitely something to be said for, for beta testing. That mm-hmm. is something that is like priceless in this world. And you create this thing, you run it through beta testing and you think it's amazing and you get this feedback and you're like, dang, I got to change everything about it. But mm-hmm. it's, it's the feedback that people have and you have to be willing to say, we're going to change it because, yeah. you know, it, it's not working and we want the whole reason for doing this is we want to be able to help people and we have to reach out to them in the way that they need us to. So yeah, you have to meet them where they are. Absolutely. I think that I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned the beta testing because I've, I've seen, in fact, actually recently where someone was trying to um, navigate around beta testing. I'm like, no, 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 no. I get that this is your baby. I get that this is the greatest thing from since sliced bread, but if it doesn't apply, let the marketplace speak. Um, it's a great idea, but you don't know that your delivery is right. And so we've got to do the beta testing because we don't know how it translates over. And, and to your point, some people will just put it out. And again, they're emotionally attached to their baby. They're emotionally attached to their product or their service. And then when the marketplace speaks and say, it's confusing, it's cumbersome. It didn't make sense to me. There's better things out there. Um, they'll get angry at those responses. And that's, that's just, we've got to, I love that you said entrepreneurship is like dodgeball. I, I, that's amazing. But exactly so that, cool, like, right? <laughs> it, as soon as you said it, I'm like, oh my God, you're totally right. Um, hundred percent. But it's, it's about constantly being able to pivot because how you started or how you thought it was going to work is usually completely different than how it does work. And we've got to be able to keep making those adjustments or else we don't tend to sustain ourselves in the marketplace. Uh, I love that your mom's your beta tester. That's awesome. So tell us about, back to the, the idea of pivot. Um, usually in, in an entrepreneur's journey, there's always a time where some, usually there's multiple times where you've maybe um, thought about quitting, throwing in the towel. Maybe this isn't right for me. Uh, maybe I just need to get out of this. I had one one person refer to it as the the dark night of the entrepreneur soul. Um, is there a time that you can think about where you hit rock bottom or you just had something fall out and you kind of had to rethink on whether this was for you? Yeah, absolutely. I, and that's actually where scale your small business came from because I got into a car accident, which was not, I mean, anything big. You're just like, man, it's a fender bender happens. got rear-ended, no big deal. Go on about your life. But it actually turned into something way worse. Like it's been, why well, I shouldn't say that I've had multiple concussions because I haven't, but it just turned out to be the worst thing that happened. And it really seeing that, you know, if you've never had a concussion before, you are tapped out on a certain amount of time, certain amount of brain power that you have. And so my normal work days were crazy. I mean, just not even the realistic at all. And I think most people can, you know, be like, yeah, that's me too. I probably work way more than I should, but Having that limited amount of brain power and realizing you can't do it all by yourself, there is literally no way when you only, when your brain can only function for an hour and no matter how hard you try, you cannot make it work more than an hour, you have to learn to delegate. And for me, it started as a really, really dark time of like, listen, I can't, 
I love what I do. And when you can't do what you love to do and work and, you know, create these businesses and do these things, it's a horrible feeling. But born out of that is delegating. And I think that that's really hard for people to struggle because, you know, we talked before about like, it's my baby. Nobody can care for my baby as much as I can. But the truth is there are people out there that can. Mm. And there are people out there that can do things way better than you can. And you have no idea. And you're so thankful for them. And you're like, oh my gosh, why did I wait? Why did I, why did I not meet this person, hire this person? Why did I not do this earlier? And so that's my, that's my one thing that I always tell people that you have to hire people when you're not ready because it's scary. And you're like, how am I going to pay for them? How I don't even have enough work for them. Trust me, you have enough work for them to do. Once you start giving things away, you're like, okay, what else can I give them? You know, there's so many things that they can do. And you know, there really are people that want to make your business as successful as you want to make it. And that's so important because you, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to relinquish control and hand that to somebody else and say, listen, this is my baby. And I want to make sure that, that we, you know, build this thing as big as it can grow, but I know that I need you and I really Mm -hmm. want you to be there and support me. And when you reach out to people and you tell them that from, you know, just speak from your heart about that, you will be amazed at what that they can do for you. And, I mean, delegation is key. So from dark moment to like amazing, like catapulting success, it's because of the people that, you know, we hired. So it was amazing. Wow. Wow. So car accident, you you said kind of was a fender bender, wasn't thinking it was going to be as big of a deal. It was, it ended up being a huge deal concussion. And that really forced you because of your limited brain power, it forced you to delegate and delegating was this pivotal moment in your business where, oh my gosh, people can do things just as well as me as not, as not, if not more or more effectively. And it's interesting because there's always this, this change from when someone goes from a solopreneur to, oh wait, I can get staff. And what, what's really challenging I've seen just in, in, in my help with small businesses is that when they pick the wrong person and then they go, see, I can't, it was, it wasn't right. It didn't didn't work. work. I'll just have to do it myself until I'm 70. So did you find there were some best practices? One thing I heard is you connected people to kind of your mission, like your, your Mm -hmm. higher vision of where you wanted the company to go. And when you give people clarity on your visions, a lot of times they get behind it, they get they're less um, committed to the roles or even the salary that you're giving them, but more around the vision. Can you share some best practices, um, whether it's in in the staffing decisions you made at that point, or whether it's in best practices for delegation? I think you know there's a lot of there's a lot of people that go to. I mean, there's hundreds of websites that you can choose people from, but I made the specific decision to go with a staffing agency. So we have we have people here in the U.S. We have people outside of the U.S. For our folks outside of the U.S., we used a staffing agency, and that was a game changer for us because they gave us three options. But you know, it's so funny because when I hired my first virtual assistant, I was terrified. You know, because you hear all the stories and the horrible things and you know, I was just, I knew this person in my mind that I needed help with. And I knew that she was going to be integral to our success. And one of the people that I interviewed, her name was ideal. And I was like, I don't care what you believe in. I don't, you know, that's, that's a sign from someone that this is my girl. And so we got, we hopped on an interview you know, we do everything over Skype. And so we hopped on a Skype interview and it was just like, I just like, 
felt her energy and, you know, she has children. And so I have this connection with women that want to stay home and be with their children because that's how I grew up. And I just think that that if you are able to do that, that's an awesome thing. And so by empowering ideal to be able to stay home and, you know, be with her children, but also support me, I was just like, this is the perfect match. And ideal and I just celebrated our three year anniversary together. It's just, we were actually talking about that last night about how we've been together and like, you know, we've added Rachel, we've added a after that. And it's just, you know what? It's just a good feeling. They, mm-hmm. they are as committed to my success as I am. And oh, it's just, it's awesome. And when people talk about, you know, I've struggled with this and I've struggled with that. And I always say that anytime that we have struggled, it's my fault. It's not their fault. It's because I didn't, you know, send them a screen flow. I didn't coach them appropriately. You know, and as an entrepreneur, sometimes you just don't know what you want and you can't really tell somebody else what you want, but you know what it kind of looks like, but you don't convey what you want very well. And so then when they do something and you're like, well, that's not what I wanted. Well, that's not their fault. That's your fault. And so I think again, being able to self-reflect back and be like, okay, how can we fix this? What was a better way to do it? And for me, we were, I was actually at a conference and I had sent them a message and I was just super vulnerable. And I said, listen, how can I be a better support to you? And you know what they said? They were like, I want a to-do list. Can you just send me a list of the things that you want me to do? And I was like, yeah, totally. And that has been a a game changer for us. Like, you know, to just be like, hey, here's our list for the week. Here's what we're working on. Here's what needs to be accomplished at the end of the week and making it happen. And it's just been, it's been crazy. So I always encourage people that to not be the quote unquote boss, but be more cooperative, um, you know, in your, in your style of um, teaching, in your style of feedback be willing to get feedback from them because, you know, our virtual assistants, they work with a lot of people. They've been, they've been doing this for a long time. So they, they kind of have an idea of best practices, you know, and we're a little bit different in the way that we run our business, but at the same time, they're able to take those experiences and share them with me. And we kind of adjust to what works for us. So being Mm -hmm. open to that, being open to their feedback, I think is huge versus just telling them like you do X, Y, and Z and that's it. Yeah. That's amazing. I I love that you said um, when something goes wrong, it's it's me. It's it's always me. And I love that because in your uh, we we talk a lot about keeping your power, and it's more just about like that. If it's going to be, it's up to me, sort of thing. And yeah, sometimes we staff inappropriately, and we've got to make tough decisions and and make changes and set people free in the workforce. Um, but I <laughs> I love free up their schedule we like to say, but ultimately that you're taking total ownership over, Hey, if it didn't work out, I didn't communicate it well. I didn't coach them well. And, and as an entrepreneur, you do move so fast. And I, I have the same thing with my team. In fact, uh, my, my executive assistant's probably going to hear this at one point and go, yes, yes, this is all very, very true because she gets, you know, WhatsApp messages from me when I'm on the road and she's getting video clips or audio clips from when I'm at conferences or I walk out of a meeting and it's this and it's that. And, and, I'm not always teeing her up for success. And so I love the question of how do I best support you? How do I best tee you up for success so that you can survive and thrive in your job, that you go home at night feeling like, wow, that was a good day's work. And I think that um, leaders can forget having those conversations because ultimately we're humans, right? And so connecting with them on a human level and connecting with them in the sense of, I want you to enjoy your work. And that's not always about perks. That's not always about massages in the office. It's about making you feel successful at the end of the day. And if I have not 
coached you inappropriately, if I have not given you all the right documents to make the right decisions, um, then it, it creates frustration for them. They want to do well. If you've got the right people in the right seats, they want to do well for you. Um, and when you said about they care as much about my success or the success of the business as I do, I find that to do that, it's because you're sharing your vision. Because that's, I remember there's this huge study. I think there was like 90 different um, indicators of what really drives employees to to perform well. And people think it's, you know, financial incentives and it's perks and it's this and it's that. But actually it was sharing um, the vision of your company that you know your company's vision and that you share in it. That was a huge indicator. That was the number one indicator of people doing well as employees. And we, we, we miss that though. We miss that. We're like, oh, well, we have to, do this. We have to pay them this way. We have to give them these perks and, you know, this many vacation days and, and those things all factor into it. But ultimately is, does your staff know your vision? Does your teammates know your vision and do they align with the vision? And what I heard when you said, I'm pow- uh, passionate about um, helping ideal be able to stay home with their kids. You were sharing in her vision mm-hmm. because I'm sure that's her vision is to have a career that allows me to still stay at home with my kids. And so by you being able to do that, you know, you guys have a shared vision. I think that's awesome that you did that. That's amazing. It's funny because I came from the corporate world and it was much bigger businesses and, you know, 500 million to $3 billion organizations. And um, there's just, there's not a lot of women. There's certainly not a lot of moms. And so when I transitioned out of the corporate world and uh, transitioned into self-employed, um, that was one of the things that I was really passionate about is is seeing a heck of a lot more females in my staff and seeing more moms. And so my EA is is a mom, is a working mom, and she works from home and uh, she's a great mom and she's a great staff member and I love her to death. But that was something I was really passionate about because for years I had EAs that were all male and didn't have kids. Yeah. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but I was like, if we if we're going to there's just a subset of amazing talent that's been pulled out of the workforce because they don't know how to integrate how they want to show up as a mother with, with their career. And so I've become really passionate about, so so my social media manager is, uh, you know, a mom with two kids. Like I've been really intentional about staffing that way. And it looks completely different than the staff that I had in corporate America, completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And I think another important thing too, is that you know, when you're working, not necessarily here in the U.S., but I mean, sometimes, I mean, because we have all of our people, some are here in Washington with me, but mo- the majority of them are either in a different part of the country, different time zone or a different part of the world. And the first thing that we do when we sit down is like, when when do you want to work? Because like Rachel is a total night owl. She loves to work at night. That's her best time. But A, she likes to work on my time zone, which is US, you know, here, Pacific Standard Time. That's when she likes to work. So I think whether your people are here in the US or outside of the US, wherever they're at, is to really ask them, hey, when's your best time? Are you a morning Mm -hmm. person? Are you a night owl? Like, what's your best time? And let's figure out a way to make that work. Because I want your best work. And if you can work best in the middle of the night, let's do it. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, if they're not, if they're not tied to a role, like a customer service role that is tied to why not? And I think that's really what the new workforce looks like. Mm -hmm. And again, that's a big transition from corporate America because we weren't able to, we weren't able to um, provide those options, but my staff is the same way. So some of them's local. Many of them are, some of them are national. Many of them are international. So, um, which means that I have to always snooze my Slack and my WhatsApp because I get messages like, oh, Hyderabad's online. Here we go. You know, or London's online. Totally. Sydney. So, so, but the, the nice thing about that is that if it's not time 
constraint or there's just a deadline and hey, the deadline is Pacific time Friday, you know, close of business Friday Pacific time, everybody's operating off the same deadline. So whether you're doing it in the middle of the night, uh, my time or whether you're doing it in alignment with my schedule, doesn't matter. I just think that uh, uh, we, we've had the same experience. So um, anyways, um, so tell me about what you, this is always a fun thing to kind of reflect back on. What do you wish you knew at the beginning? Like, what do you wish someone would have told you or just that you knew from the start? I think it's important. And we don't talk about this. That if is to just keep going, that there's going to be amazing days and there are going to be some days that royally suck. And it's just, that's kind of how this entrepreneurial thing happens. And I think that social media nowadays, I mean, we've talked, we talk about this all the time is that it's a highlight reel. And so for those people that are just starting out, or even for those people that are veterans that they're just like, Oh, this person is doing amazing. They're killing it. Just keep in mind that that's just their highlight reel and that they have bad days too. I mean, there's a gal that I follow and she is amazing entrepreneur, but she had a major malfunction with some tissue paper, not being delivered for her physical product. And it put everything behind and she was very candid about it on social media. And I just thought, you know what? That's awesome because we mm-hmm. don't give each other enough grace this in this day and age. It's that it's got to be perfect. It's got to be on, you know, and I think if we just say, listen, it happens, you know, it happens to all of us. If we can just say, you know what? It's okay. I don't need my product right now. I can wait a couple more days while you sort that out, go cry in the closet and, you know, then get up and sort it out. Like. It's just, I think, I just, I think being able to give people grace is just so important because we don't have enough these days. So just don't give up. I mean, I think I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs that are like, Hey, I tried that, you know, and it didn't work. And you know, well, why didn't you try it a different way? You know? And they just are like, I just gave up. It was too hard. But there was one, uh, one of my bosses told me that there is a way to think of it is like, here's the box. You can go over the box. You can go under the box. You can go through the box. You can, there's so many different ways to get what you need in that box, but people just try, Oh, well, I tried to open it and it didn't open, you know? So just keeping in mind that there's so many different ways to do things and everybody ends up at the end with the same result, but being willing to say, listen, if it didn't work this one way, I'm going to continue to try again until I get into that freaking box, you know? Yeah, exactly. What do you, so we were talking a little bit about this earlier when you were saying about the kind of the perks of being a business owner, what does owning a business allow you to do? Like what, what do you get to do because you're a business owner? I think, you know, there's a lot of things that people always think about, you know, you get to travel more, you get to do, you know, you get to have flexibility, you get to stay home, work from home. Sometimes that can be a blessing and sometimes that can be a curse. But, you know, there was a specific situation where one of my girlfriends, her child got very, very sick and it was a very stressful time for everybody. And I had the freedom to be like, I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to be at the hospital with you. I'm going to hold your hand. We're going to cry together. Work like I'm going to be there for you. And if I had a regular corporate job, that wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have had that flexibility to be like, I am going to be there completely for you. I'm going to let my folks take care of the business while I'm gone for a couple of days. If there's an emergency, you can reach me. But right now I'm going to focus on my friend and make sure that she has everything that she needs. And I think there's power in that because we need each other, but sometimes our jobs don't allow us to be there for each other as much as we want to. And so being an entrepreneur, having the flexibility, you know, the travel and all that stuff is super great. But when it comes down to it, that connection with the people that you're closest to and that you're like, 
this person needs me and I can be there for them. I think is the most important thing for me. And hopefully those things don't happen very often, but when they do, I can definitely be there for them. Yeah. That's really powerful. As as you were sharing that, I just remember about time back when I was in corporate America where I'd made the decision to let my right hand go home for the day because his grandfather had passed away. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't so much that it was really hard on him. It was incredibly hard on his mother. Right. And he wanted to go be with his mother. Mm-hmm. And so I said, take the afternoon off. You know, he was clearly distraught by how distraught right. his mother was. And I said, take the afternoon off. It's fine. Like there's the world isn't going to fall apart. And so I let him go. And then my, uh, my leadership came to me and asked me about it, like sent something over and he said, Oh, I got it out of office. And I said, Oh, I'd let him go for the afternoon. He said, why? And I told him and I'll never forget. He goes, what a Franklin Percy. I'll never forget that. Yeah. That's what, he, and, and I said, what? And he said, his, his grandfather died. What a Franklin f-? Percy. And I said, well, his mother is very distraught because she just lost her father and he wanted to go be, I said, and just be clear, he didn't ask for the afternoon off. I sent him home because I believed he should be with his mother, Agreed. Um, which regardless whether he asked for the afternoon off or not is fine. And I would support that, but I'll never forget standing toe to toe with my leadership and defending why I let a staff member go. And I thought I'm in the wrong place. Yep. I mean, it was, for me, it was a really pivotal moment where I thought I'm in the wrong place because this is how we're supposed to show up for each other. And when you said we're not, we're not supposed to go out alone. We're supposed to be in community. And I, I wouldn't want him sitting there in his office when his mom is distraught, when they've just lost someone in their family, that that's not what that's not what I'm about. But it's it's funny, and I I still know the the guy who was it was my leadership at the time. I I still know him. he's he's in DC. We see each other sometimes. But I was in an environment where that was very pervasive. That it was you, you're either you're either a hard worker or you're Franklin Percy. Um, we can be somewhere in the middle. We don't have to be like fully committed workaholic. Don't have a family. Don't have a life. Don't. Versus like, oh, I stay at home all day. Like there can be like that balance in between. But I think it's so true because that happened. I mean, when I worked in corporate America, it was the same thing. We, it didn't matter if you got sick. It didn't matter. It, did, it just didn't matter. You either mm-hmm. rode up or you didn't get to work there anymore. And I just, I mean, I think that there can be, there can be some gray area there. Yeah. There was another time where there was a guy who, who had, one of the leadership had, had hurt his knee and essentially he drug himself up the stairs to go to work. The problem with that, okay, fine. He did that. The problem with that is that then he set that precedence and he was angry at any staff that didn't do the same thing. So fast forward six months, someone in ops had twisted her ankle and she called in sick and he's like, I drug myself up the stairs. So he set this totally unrealistic expectation, which then he expected his staff to do. And so that was the reminder for me because I tend to be an incredibly hardworking person and, and I am probably the person that will drag myself up the stairs. However, I can't model that for my staff because I don't want them dragging themselves up the stairs to get to work. I want them to stay at home and heal. So then I had to model that. That that was a big shift for me is like, all right, I can't be like the last man standing because then my staff feels like they have to follow suit and I don't want them to be under the pressure to drag themselves up the stairs. Right. And we're not going to get our best work from them when Mm -hmm. they have a twisted ankle and they're in so much pain and they probably should be going to the doctor versus working. It's just, I always tell my people, I was like, if you are not feeling good because you know, I feel like, you know, everybody calls in sick and you're like, are you really sick or is this just a sickness? So I always tell them, I'm like, if you're not feeling well, get up, get in the shower. And if you get out of the shower and you're still miserable, go back to bed. Don't Mm -hmm. come. 
because I don't want to get sick, but also <laughs> you're not going to be focused because you feel horrible. So just yeah. get better because you are going to get better faster by just staying in bed and then you'll be back the next day versus having to take a week off because you got pneumonia or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's also how we support and love our people, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. that's the kind of business owner that I want to be is the one that like loves and supports and, and not just because they will love and support me back, but just because it's the decent human thing to do. Really? Yeah. We just have to be kind to one another. We have to remember that we're in this together. You know, mm-hmm. we forget about that. There's it's, you know, so much, you know, me, 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 but really we can get so much farther in this world if we help each other. And I think people tend to forget I that. I agree. I agree. I always tell uh, my staff that we're all just walking each other home. Yeah. Like that's, I think that's a roomy quote. Anyways, it's not mine. It's somebody else's, (laughs) but the idea is like, that's it. Like let's lock arms and do this together. Because when you're, when you're working with someone day in and day out, you're doing life with them and you will see, you will see births and deaths and sicknesses and broken bones and car accidents and everything in between divorces, marriages, you see all of those things. And that's Mm -hmm. why it's also a reason why to be very particular about, about your staff, because they're seeing that of you too. And just they like loving each other days when you can't sure do. work right and you're frustrated and you're like, I just can't do this anymore, you know, right. but they're there to support you just as much as you are there to support them. And if mm-hmm. you give that to them, they will give it back to you. Oh, so much more, so much more. Yeah. That's awesome. Are you struggling to stay focused? Still need to get things checked off that to-do list, but finding it harder than ever. Be productive, be effective, and perform at your best. Even though the world has changed, this is still a great time to get work done. In my new digital course, Multiply Me, I'm going to show you how to be laser focused and wildly effective. You will learn how to get three times as much done, but in less hours a day, even now. You can literally multiply your output You can master a productivity tool today that will give you a high performance advantage in any season. Join us at pivot-me.com. Leverage this window to take back your time so you can enjoy the life you've earned. Do you do like success habits? Do you have like a morning routine that you follow or something that you're like, okay, this is, I know you're a systems and processes person. So my guess is there's something that you're like, I always do this. I set up my morning this way, or I set up my day this way. Can you talk us through some of those things? Yeah, absolutely. So I do kind of a modified like miracle morning. Um, it's not perfect. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't profe- profess to be like every single day I get up at four o'clock in the morning because there's some days that let's just be honest, I'm tired and that doesn't happen. But I think that again, being willing to say, this is, this is what my ideal day looks like. This is what my ideal routines look like, but being willing to say, you know what, not every day that's going to happen and not beating yourself up about it. So there's definitely these routines that I've created to make sure that we're as efficient as possible. I mean, there are some kind of dorky things that I do here in the office, like the way I turn the lights on and, you know, things like that are totally nerdy. But just to make sure that we, you know, that I'm super efficient with my time because that is the thing that we can't get back. You know, there are days that go on. And that's that's something important that I learned from the coroner's office that not every day is is promised. And sometimes mm. there might not be tomorrow. And so today we want to make it the best that we can 
but give yourself grace to know that it's, it's not always going to end up perfect because most of them don't. So Mm -hmm. definitely have lots of routines, especially like in the morning when I get to work, you know, when I leave work, there's the same routine, you know, kind of the reverse of getting here. And then also evening routines to set me up for the next day. I think the one thing that you can do that is really been a game changer for me is to make your to-do list before you leave work for the next day. Mm. Because by the time you get in the car, I mean, I don't, I don't know for most people if they ha- get stuck in traffic like I do, but the traffic is horrible here in Washington. So it's, yeah. you get in the car and you listen to your podcast and you do all these things. And by the time you've gotten home, you're like, oh, dang, what was that one thing I was going to do? So being able to, whether that's writing it down in your planner or just doing a digital, you know, dragon otter, you know, that sort of a thing just before you leave. So you have a record of it. That's been huge because then you don't forget, because if you forget something, most likely you're probably letting someone else down. And so being able to just remember that right at the time um, is important. It's really good. Um, so tell us what, and you said drive and otter, is that what you said? Uh, dragon and otter are the two like, um, you know, voice to text kind of things or yes. the email. So yes, I want to share that just because I, I love otter too. I haven't yeah. used dragon before, but um, otter is amazing. So beautiful. Yeah. Right. So if anyone's listening and not familiar with Otter, O-T-T-E-R, it's an app. It's a free app. It's freaking amazing. Um, we actually use it. We were talking about this at the beginning. We actually use it as a backup recording for our podcast in case for some reason the audio crashes and we have AV issues, which definitely happens in podcasting. But um, essentially you press the button and hit record. And not only is it recording your audio, but it's also transcribing it at the moment and then it's tagging it. So um, it's a really, really... Um, really useful tool. So um, here's right. Here's a plug for Otter. Otter's amazing, guys. Go get it. I'm, again, there's lots of affiliates. We just love it. <laughs> right. It's it's amazing. And that's true for whether you're preparing a speech or getting ready for a meeting. I mean, I'll be driving in the car and I hit record and I'm talking through a speech or a meeting that I'm about to do. And not only is it transcribing it, but it's it's tagging it. So like, all right, we're talking about productivity today or leadership. And then it's listening for the words that I consistently say. Anyways, amazing tool. Amazing tool. Absolutely. So So tell us what's next for you. What does your next few years look like? Well, we are so excited because Scale Your Small Business is launching. So definitely invite everybody to come check it out. It's my newest little baby and I'm so proud of it. I'm so excited. We are doing really, really what we're passionate about. And that's helping small businesses scale and getting your systems and processes in place in a total judgment-free zone. So wherever you're at, it doesn't matter. You know, if you've got these great things that just need a couple tweaks, or if you're just starting out, you know what? I know I need to do that, but I don't have any of it. Come check it out. I'm excited to visit with everybody and just help people. It's just, it's going to be amazing. That's awesome. And are you still going to run your existing businesses? Like that's all still still going? Yes, yes, absolutely. I think that's the most powerful thing is showing people that you can have multiple businesses while running this new thing and how to balance that because. I think that as entrepreneurs, we have so many things that we want to do, but it's like, how do we balance that? How do we make sure that we give, you know, the same love to all the projects? So they're kind of like running a marathon beside each other. One doesn't get left in the dust and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to come back to that. Well, I focus on this one, making sure that they're all consistently moving forward. So yeah, absolutely. I, the, all the businesses that we have, I love them all dearly. And so I'm excited to show people how, what that looks like, you know, to yeah. run them, you know, together. 
And I love that you're, you still are running your other businesses because ultimately that's just giving you more and more, not just content, but experience of, Hey, I just ran into this yesterday. We just had a supply issue in manufacturing, or we just, uh, we just lost all our contacts in our CRM. What do we do? It's just giving you more and more relevant information because sometimes people go out and they'll podcast and, and maybe they're not still connected to that thing. And then we can, we can suffer in, in the information that we're delivering because we've been removed from the marketplace for too long and you're still deeply embedded in the marketplace, um, in the services, everything that you're doing every day. (laughs) Right. Right. Absolutely. So, um, let's say where, where can people find you? So they can check us out at scaleyoursmallbusiness.org. Of course, we are on every social media platform. Definitely Instagram is my personal favorite. Check out our stories. We are all over, all over everywhere. Uh, Definitely, you can check us out under Jillian Floodstrom. So that's kind of a mouthful, but definitely check us out there. We, I love social media. It's awesome. It's such a great way to connect with people. So definitely, you know, give us, give us a follow and uh, definitely send me a DM. If you're coming from this podcast, I would love to, to know how you heard about us. Absolutely. And we'll put all the links in the show notes as well on, on our website, but, um, people definitely need to connect with you because it's, it's obvious that you're so passionate about what you're doing and that you're coming from this contribution focused mindset, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you because that's such a a huge thing is just service and how can we serve people better and how can we kind of help them along their path. And I love that that is a huge focus for you. Oh, thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you. And the insight that you shared with our listeners is amazing. Have a great day, my dear. I love that despite Jillian's success, she's still so open and relatable and her courage in disclosing when she didn't get picked, at least not the first time for that prestigious award. Like that takes courage to say, yeah, I didn't get it the first time. And I love that she shared that because it reminds you that just because you didn't win the first time doesn't mean you're not going to win the second or the third time. Thank you so much for dialing in today. And don't forget, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you love what you hear, give us a five-star review. It means the world to us. Hit me up on Instagram at the April Garcia or check us out online at pivot-me.com. This is all made possible with the support of you listeners, the numerous contributors and our clients. Our music and production is by the amazing Rockwood Audio. Join me next time for more tips on how to hack success. And until then, make it a great day. Thanks, guys. You guys are amazing.